Hello everyone, it's April 16th and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. It's good to have you with us today. We are making our way through the Bible, taking in the views from both the Old and New Testaments as we read daily portions from the one-year Bible format. You can follow along in your version of the one-year Bible, and these are available at your local bookstore or online at theoneyearbibleonline.com, as we are reading through with the English Standard Version this year. In the Old Testament, we are in the book of Joshua, the first of the section of the Bible known as the historical books. We'll be starting at Joshua chapter 13. The opening verses of chapter 13 remind us that while we rest in the finished work of our greater Joshua, the captain of our salvation, the Lord Joshua, Jesus Christ, there is a further work of Christ in which we are called to obedience to the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. We are called to know Christ and make Him known. So there is further work to do. We have come far in our Bible reading in these last 106 days of travel, but as these verses we are about to read remind us, there is further territory to take. This refers to the Lord's ongoing work in our personal sanctification, as well as His ongoing work through the church in evangelism, discipleship, and mission. So let's get started. Heavenly Father, speak to our innermost being and use our time of Bible reading and meditation together to strengthen, equip, correct, and direct us in the furtherance of your work. Purify our hearts, renew our minds, and embolden our faith in Jesus' name. So let's begin Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet much land to possess. This is the land that yet remains all the regions of the Philistines, and all those of the Geshurites, from the Shihor, which is east of Egypt, northward to the boundary of Ekron. It is counted as Canaanite. There are five rulers of the Philistines, those of Gaza, Ashtod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, and those of the Avim in the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and the Miara, that belongs to the Sidonians, to Aphek, to the boundary of the Amorites, and the land of the Gebelites, and all Lebanon toward sunrise, from Baal Gad, below Mount Hermon, to Lebo Hamath, all the inhabitants of the hill country, from Lebanon to Misraphoth Mayim, even all the Sidonians. I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now therefore divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh, the inheritance east of the Jordan. With the other half of the tribe of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses gave them beyond the Jordan eastward, as Moses the servant of the Lord gave them, from Ararer, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley, and all the tableland of Medaba as far as Dibon, and all the cities of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon as far as the boundary of the Ammonites, and Gilead, and the region of the Geshurites, and Maakathites, and all Mount Hermon, and all Bashan to Salaka, all the kingdom of Og in Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth, 
and Edrai, he alone was left on the remnant of the Rephaim. These Moses had struck and driven out. Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Maacathites, but Geshur and Maacath dwell in the midst of Israel to this day. To the tribe of Levi alone Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord God of Israel are their inheritance, as he said to him. And Moses gave an inheritance to the tribe of the people of Reuben according to their clans. So their territory was from Ararer, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and the city that is in the middle of the valley, and all the tableland by Medeba, with Heshbon and all of its cities that are in the tableland, Dibon and Bamoth Baal and Beth Baal Meon, and Jahaz and Kedamoth and Mephaath and Kiriathaim and Sibma and Zerath Shahar on the hill of the valley, and Beth Peor and the slopes of Pisgah and Beth Jeshemoth that is, all the cities of the tableland, and all the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses defeated with the leaders of Midian, Evi, and Rechem, and Zur, and Hur, and Reba, the princes of Sihon, who lived in the land. Balaam also, the son of Baor, the one who practiced divination, was killed with the sword by the people of Israel among the rest of their slain. And the border of the people of Reuben was the Jordan as a boundary. This was the inheritance of the people of Reuben, according to their clans with their cities and villages. Moses gave an inheritance also to the tribe of Gad, to the people of Gad, according to their clans. Their territory was Jazer, and all the cities of Gilead, and half the land of the Ammonites, to Ararer, which is east of Rabbah, and from Heshbon to Ramath Mispeh and Betonim, and from Mahanaim to the territory of Debir, and in the valley of Beth-Haram, Beth-Nimrah, Sakoth, and Zaphon, the rest of the kingdom of Sihon, king of Heshbon, having the Jordan as a boundary, to the lower end of the Sea of Chinnereth, eastward beyond the Jordan. This is the inheritance of the people of Gad, according to their clans, with their cities and villages. And Moses gave an inheritance to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It was allotted to the half-tribe of the people of Manasseh according to their clans. Their region extended from Mahanaim through all Bashan, the whole kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, and all the towns of Jair, which are in Bashan, sixty cities, and half Gilead, and Ashtaroth, and Edrai, the cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan. These were allotted to the people of Machir, the son of Manasseh, for the half of the people of Machir, according to their clans. These are the inheritances that Moses distributed in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan, east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance, just as he said to them. Chapter 14. The Inheritance West of the Jordan. These are the inheritances that the people of Israel received in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel gave them to inherit. Their inheritance was by lot, just as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine and one-half tribes. For Moses had given an inheritance to the two and one-half tribes beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the people of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. 
and no portion was given to the Levites in the land, but only cities to dwell in, with their pasture lands for their livestock and their substance. The people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. They allotted the land. Caleb's Request and Inheritance Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses the man of God at Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. I was forty years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these forty-five years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day eighty-five years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. This is the end of our reading from the Old Testament, Book of Joshua. Now let's take some time to reflect. Joshua had quite a life. He had proved to be faithful to the Lord's command. In chapter 13, he is somewhere between 90 and 100 years old. His comrade in faithful obedience, Caleb, is now 85 and feeling as fit as he was when he was 40. We learned that in Joshua chapter 14, verse 11. Caleb is still demonstrating victorious faith. He is willing to take the high ground and face the challenges of the remaining giants in the land, the Anakim. He does not ask for an easy task. He asks for a God-glorifying task. He asks for the hill country. It was his inheritance. Both Joshua and Caleb express confidence in the Lord. Listen to Caleb speak about how he wanted to spend his senior years. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim giants were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Joshua 14, verse 12. Joshua gave Caleb Hebron, meaning alliance or fellowship, for an inheritance. Hebron used to be named after Arba, the greatest man among the Anakim. It was once the city of a giant enemy. It is now a place of fellowship for the man known for following the Lord wholeheartedly. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Joshua 14.14 But the real focus of these chapters is not the faithfulness of Joshua and Caleb, but God's faithfulness to his word. Joshua was a great leader. The key to his greatness as a leader was that he was well led. 
the Lord faithfully gave instruction, counsel, strength, and a team of people united in purpose. He orchestrated the victories. He gave the victories. I love the fact that the Lord gave Joshua his daily to-do list. The initial campaign was over, but more work remained, and more territory remained to be taken. Joshua 13, verse 1. I wonder if we too easily rest in yesterday's accomplishments and settle for the status quo instead of inquiring of the Lord to see if there is some further work that He would have us do. It is important that we learn to inquire of the Lord what work remains on His heart. How does He see things in our neck of the woods? The Lord gave Joshua a detailed project list outlying the full extent of territory that remained to be taken. It makes me think of the unfinished work of world evangelization and the remaining gospel work in the various spheres closer to home, marriage, family, our community, our region, our country, and continent. The crucified and risen Jesus gave this command to his followers. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am going with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord wants to make sure that Joshua settles for nothing less than what he has allotted to Israel as an inheritance. Joshua chapter 13, verses 6 through 7. As we have already noted in our journey through the Bible, the tribe of Levi did not receive an inheritance of land on which to grow food. They received 48 cities without fields. In Joshua 14, verse 3, the Lord himself the service of the tabernacle and the offerings made by fire would be their inheritance. Joshua chapter 13, verse 14. The Lord would provide their food, housing, and clothing through the tithes of the other tribes. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 9, chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, and the book of Numbers chapter 18, verses 21 to 24. Sadly, it is true that we are prone to settle for less than that which is allotted for in the revealed will of God. Let us be diligent in possessing our possessions and fulfilling our mission. The chapter concludes with these words, Then the land had rest from war. Joshua 14, verse 15b. Now let's read from the New Testament, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. The Parable of the Persistent Widow And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Pharisee and the Tax Collector He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, 
I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And this is the end of our reading of today's New Testament portion. First off, Jesus reminds us to be persistent in prayer. He gives an unforgettable picture of the need to persist in prayer and the prayerful pursuit of justice. Once again, Jesus gives a comical commentary on human behavior while illustrating an important spiritual principle. He uses a slice of life we may all be familiar with, our courts of law with human judges, lawyers, plaintiffs, and defendants, in order to teach that we ought always to pray and never give up. He affirms human depravity when he speaks of a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. No wonder the common people heard Jesus gladly. But his satirical commentary on human nature is not limited to the rich and powerful. He speaks of seemingly good parents as being by nature evil in Matthew 7:11 or Luke 11, verse 13. Employees who are dishonest and crooked as their employers are in Luke 16, verses 1 to 13, and close friends that really don't like to be bothered when they have genuine needs, in Luke 11, verse 5. Jesus gives the account of a widow who in Jesus' day could credibly be left in dire straits if she is suddenly deprived of the income of her husband, now deceased. The human judge finally gives in to the widow's persistent nagging, not because he sees any legal reason not to side with the adversary, not because he fears God or because he has any interest or compassion on the widow's situation, but merely to get the woman off his back. He gives in to her request. Jesus contrasts the unjust judge who is slow to give justice with God the Father who will bring justice speedily. This parable is not only given to encourage God's elect to persevere in prayer, but also to be living in such a way that we are not ashamed when the Son of Man arrives to bring true justice and affirm genuine faith. And will not God give justice to His elect, who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on earth? Luke 18, verses 7-8 to Next we read about the way to be justified before God a humble appeal to God's mercy given through His perfect work of redemption. Jesus' parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee exposes the peril of those who think they are justified before God on the basis of their own righteousness. Our own brand of righteousness falls infinitely short of God's minimum standard of righteousness, which is the righteousness that is found in Himself, absolute righteousness. The Pharisee is an example of someone who attempts to justify himself before God on the basis of his own good works. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, aware of the insufficiency of his own righteousness. He would not even look up to heaven, 
admitting his state of sinfulness before God and his desperate need to cast himself on God's mercy. He beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Literally, God, be propitiated through your means of mercy, the only means of God's wrath against sin being turned away and God's justice being satisfied is through God's own action, the shed blood of a perfect substitute, Jesus Christ. Leviticus 17.11, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, and 1 John 2, verse 2. Jesus makes it clear that it is the one who appeals to God's mercy, the good news of Jesus' perfect substitutionary sacrifice on their behalf, who will be justified before God. It requires humility to repent of our own self-justification, our assumed self-righteousness will not fly in the courts of heaven. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves, admit their need for God's mercy, will be exalted. The disciples of Jesus rebuked the people who were bringing their children to him, but Jesus said that these children, who by nature recognize that their necessary provisions must come from outside themselves, illustrate the disposition necessary to enter the kingdom of God. Luke 18 verses 15 through 17. Now let's go to the Bible songbook, the book of Psalms, and we'll be reading Psalm 85. And reading the psalm today will be Peter Healy. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps a way. The psalmist cites before God the gospel blessings shown to his people in the past. Favor, forgiveness, and propitiation, the turning away of God's fierce anger at their disobedience. And then he pleads that they would know these blessings today. Let us pray this regarding our own walk with God and on behalf of His people today. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. This reminds us that although the gospel promise of justification before God through faith in Christ is instant, the sanctification aspect of salvation is progressive. Are we experiencing the joy of our salvation, seeing God at work making us more like Jesus? Or are we seeing the folly of one who follows the ways of the old nature rather than the ways of the Holy Spirit? The finished work of Christ is illustrated clearly in the King James Version of Psalm 85, verse 10. Mercy and truth are met together. 
righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Where else can the divine attributes of mercy and truth, righteousness and peace meet but at the cross of Christ? Mercy and truth and righteousness and peace are incompatible couples when it comes to sinners coming into the presence of God. Mercy desires to give us access, but truth recognizes that our sin separates us from God and must be paid for. Peace wants there to be no discord between humankind and God, but righteousness affirms God's impeccable standards. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Righteousness says that you cannot proclaim peace where there is no peace. God's law must be satisfied. It is at the cross where mercy and truth, righteousness and peace can meet with full satisfaction. It is there, at the cross, where Jesus satisfies all the demands of righteousness and truth, that mercy can flow to repentant sinners who look to Jesus, the sinless substitute. It is there, through the blood of His cross, that peace is made and reconciliation takes place. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19-20 through 20. And now let's go and open another treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but a poor man hears no threat. This proverb teaches us a number of things. It teaches us not to judge people by appearances, as the world is full of people pretending to be what they are not. An outward show of riches may deceive one to think that they are rich towards God and others. It does not disclose his or her true state of soul. A person who outwardly appears to have little may have great wealth, personal and relational satisfaction, and an inner life that is full of peace and spiritual riches. On the other hand, some people's poverty is due to their own negligence of responsibility and their stubborn refusal to receive counsel whereas the diligent will have the necessary resources to deal with life's emergencies. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for the rich inheritance you have given us in Christ. In Him we have reconciliation, peace, and fellowship with you through the Spirit. May we be relentless in our obedience as those who wholly follow our Lord Jesus. Keep us humble in our recognition of your mercy towards us and persistent in our pursuit of your will. May our intercession be directed by your Spirit. Revive us again and keep us focused on your steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us on our Bible reading journey. If this podcast is a blessing to you or if you have any questions or comments, you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a free written copy of each day's commentary on the one-year Bible readings of the day with charts, illustrations, and maps, you can subscribe by going to our website, newlife.org. And there you can also learn about New Life's ministries, download free growth tools such as how to know God personally. And don't forget to subscribe or follow this one-year Bible tour guide wherever you get your podcasts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Shalom.